Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the second Wizen Ashes Daily podcast at Headingley. Somehow, Mel, somehow England are still in with a chance. They were 142 for seven at lunch, the urn was slipping away, and then Ben Stokes. Uh, take it away if you could find anything new to say about him. Well, it's deja vu all over again, right? It's just incredible the way he's able to flick that switch and... We know what often happens when England's backs are very much to the wall, but it's almost superhuman. And he spoke about it after Lords. Is the way that he just creates this bubble and he's able to stay so focused on that and have such clarity of mind in the way that he approaches the batting, particularly when he's batting with the tail. Uh, so it, it was amazing. And I was actually thinking about... Um, Last time here at Headingley, when he was, you know, he got two or 50. And then the the next day it was Johnny Bairstow who came in. And sometimes that happens, I mm. feel, with those two. Bairstow coming in sometimes seems to unlock a, a something in, in Stokes' approach. And today it was Mark Wood coming in and just clattering the ball around, which was quite incredible. That seemed to be the point. And, and the, of course, the realisation that, again, Stokes was has found himself in with the tail, where he's just able to control the game. That's what it, f- it feels like. And the way he went after Todd Murphy, it was like, mm. welcome to Ashes cr- Cricket, sunny boy. Uh, it, it was phenomenal. And I was having those flashbacks, I can tell you. Him taking the off spinner down, some of those sixes were absolutely enormous. It was the, the Western Terrace up, going absolutely nuts again. So... It is just amazing that he has this ability to flick that switch, go into that beast mode that Ben Stokes can get into. And just the the fact that he's able to do it at will, it's not just a one-off. He's he's done this so many times now. I, I think it makes him the most fascinating cricketer in the world. And he is the best. At, I, I, who, who is better than him at, bat, at batting with the tail? Mm. I, I don't think there is at all anyone. Uh, who's able to do quite what he does. But it has to be a concern for England that they have relied on him doing this so many times and they found themselves in that position again today. And I don't think any of us can cope if they're in that position again 
in the fourth innings and has every chance that they could be. Yeah, it's just amazing how how, how calculated he was because when Mark Wood, you know, he made 24 of eight, which was ridiculous, but it was great fun. But when Mark Wood got out, you know, he, he was four short of what Ben Stokes had made at that point. <laughs> ben Stokes only had 28. And then he hits three fours off Stark and another four of Cummins. But I think his first six only comes after the... Uh, the ninth wicket falls and then Ollie Robinson comes in. He's obviously got a bad back and, and can't run. And that's when he starts hitting the, hitting the sixes and targeting that. And it was just, and then all the six came off the spinner as well. It was just, yeah, you can talk about Ben Stokes as being, you know, this, uh, he's, uh, you know, talismanic. He's sort of like, he's, he's playing on instinct, but there was so much brain in what he did today yeah, as well. That's what I mean about the control. Yeah. It is, it is just, it's, it's like he sees the, the game just in terms of, what he personally does to uh, just create the situation and then then make it his own, uh, and I, I I just don't see anyone else doing it. It's like he knows he could hit a six on any particular ball, mm. and he just chooses okay where the field is, who's bowling, what ball of the over are we in now, and it, it goes through all his mind like a computer, and then he just goes on that it's like it is like some sort of cricket video game um mm. but the ben stokes one mm. um we should go back to that first session because at the break england fans were absolutely fuming like i had, I had whatsapp groups that were going crazy there were you know the the, the, the pundits kind of tearing in and, and some of those dismissals did look ugly right like bearstow what slashes at a, a slashes one moan and chris wokes both attacked the short ball and got out um is is this was that another case of of Basel being found out? Is pinning the blame on England's approach fair? Do you think? Uh, look, I think Australia have just done things really well. They've mm -hmm. done the basics really well. Their bowling plans have been incredibly good. And they've stuck to them. They've got the bowlers who can execute them really well. And uh, hey ho, they also tend to hold on to their catches, which is. I've been a massive part of that. I, I, I mean, I think England's fielding errors have been a bigger part of this than Basball, if mm. you like, uh, in where the situation is. Because if you, if England even cut down those mistakes by half, you think they could actually be up two nil in this series. That's not completely outrageous to to think that. So. Uh, I don't know that it's it's just about the approach. I think there have been some poor shots. At that stage, I guess they were looking at it with that total sort of being a certain amount away, right, we're just going to have to try and get there as quickly as possible. That's our only way. And, and Australia did go short again. They went to that short plan. So you find yourself back at Lords where – they're thinking, well, we have to find ways to, to score. Um, if they're just going to bowl short at us, we have to find ways of scoring because otherwise we're going to go for 10 overs where we're going to make maybe 30 runs and then, you know, we're going to be out anyway. Um, so I, I kind of can see their point of view that it's it's about the execution rather than the actual plan behind it. But then I also understand fans reactions the thing is if it if it if they ended up getting those runs if they end up winning this test people will love it they loved it when mark wood came out mm. the, the crowds here went absolutely bonkers yeah. uh, when mark wood came out and and as you said he suddenly pushed the score along and they scored about 50 runs in the first 
20 minutes of the, the second session. And all of a sudden they got themselves to within, what was it, 26 runs of, of Australia's target by doing that. Would they have done that by playing another way? I don't know. This is what, this is the constant conundrum of, of baseball. Would they do any better doing things another way? Do we have to just take hats off to Australia and say, well, they've just had the plans that have made their their execution poor and they've they've capitalized them on them yeah i think i'd, I'd agree with most of that and I'd, I'd add just a couple of things one is that like first that like england didn't actually attack too much in that first session yeah they, they, they scored pretty slowly it's one of their slowest scoring sessions in the in the basball era the the stats guys tell us uh but they just kind of i mean they they got it wrong when they did attack and also mm. the ways in which they got it wrong it wasn't exactly um uh, the game plan it was the execution like Bearstow's especially that was a half volley uh, which should have been put away and just wasn't and Bearstow you know would back himself to do that most times and you kind of want him attacking half volleys that's why Bearstow is Bearstow um, and then Moans was ugly fine that was bad well it was made worse it was made uglier by the fact that he had just done the yeah, same thing yeah. in the in the same over and the ball had luckily it seemed at the time uh, just plugged in between three converging fielders so it, it does look a lot uglier when you play the same shot just a few balls later and uh, you get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then, and Wokes was, I can see the thing with Wokes as well in that Australia are going short at him. He's not a brilliant player of the short ball and you're not going to survive for that long. And if you, even if you do, you're not going to score runs. So you've got to try something like I, I kind of, I, I get that. Um and then I guess also, as you say, Australia, not just that they've played better, they kind of just are better, right? Like they've got loads of batters in the top 10 of the rankings. If you were to pick a combined 11, you'd maybe have like a couple of Englishmen in it, but like it would be dominated by Australians. Um, and uh, and I guess we also saw that the worst dismissal of the day came from, you know, a guy who you would be, say is pretty anti-Basball in, in Marnus Labashain, right? He it was like a, a, a weird sort of slog sweep to Moen Alley and he, you could just see like as soon as it, well, not as soon as it went up because he was watching, hoping for a reprieve, but you know, <laughs> as we've seen from England, it's not that unlikely. And then when it went into the hands, he just went down his haunches for so long. He was muttering to himself for so long. But it just shows that you can kind of get out to a bad shot no matter how you play, I guess. On, on Marnus, uh, he's quietly not had a great, tour so far right like in four tests you include the world's championship final he's yet to pass 50 he's averaging about 26 in that time i think and actually if you look a bit more generally so in away tests his average has now dipped under 40 he's only got 100 outside australia obviously he comes into this series as the world's number one batter but so much of that is built on runs at home where average is 70 is it is it fair to ask if this guy just might not be quite as good as we thought and if so what kind of return should we expect from him going forward? I mean, I think it says a bit about Australia generally uh, when it comes to the the, the batting mm -hmm. uh, and also the situation Australia has found themselves in the past few years. Like Australia don't play away from home nearly as much as a team like, for example, England. Mm -hmm. And especially with the, the effects of COVID, they've played even fewer tests at home. So since the 2019 Ashes, they've only played three away series. Uh, they played in Pakistan, uh, then Sri Lanka and India in the space of all of it within a year and a half. So so they're the only test series that they've played away, that Manus has played away uh, in that time. And I, I mean, if you look at, if you look at some of the other batters in the Australian side, as you look at 
Usman Khawaja. His has come together a lot. The home and away averages has come together a lot. But that since he came back into the Australian side in during the last Ashes in Australia. Before that, people thought, well, you can't, you can't uh, select Usman Khawaja away because, well, he can't score in England and he can't play spin. So you can't really select him in the subcontinent. So, and then this time around, since he's come back, the reinvented, a guy who knows his game so much better and who's worked on so many things, his, his averages actually come much closer together and he did have great tours and he's come here and scored in the place where he supposedly couldn't score runs. So even Travis Head, his average is much further apart as well when you look at home and away. So that says a lot about A, Australia play a lot more games at home and fewer away than anyone else. And when they're at home, they tend to dominate and bully. And they've got a great bowling attack at home that takes sides apart. The batters catching Warner is another fantastic example where his home and away average, his home average is almost double his away average. So it's not just Manus. I think it's partly a reflection of just those other couple of factors as well. But I mean, that, that today, that, that, wicket I think was just as much a, a Mark Wood's wicket uh, as it was uh, Moeen Ali's because he was under so much pressure and you could see that he was being troubled by Mark Wood and then he gets he gets Moeen up the other end and he thinks he can get him away. Moeen had one that turned a bit today but wasn't getting much turn. He was very economical, only went at two and over. But that feeling and of, of okay, this is how you know this is how I'm going to have to score. I'm going to go for for Moeen Ali and Smith's was a very non-Smith shot as well. So I guess it's maybe it's too early to judge when it comes to Manus because a lot of people were quick to judge Usman Khawaja mm -hmm. as well, and they might have to play a lot more series. But when when he came in in 2019 as a concussion substitute for Steve Smith, I mean he he scored. Four four half centuries on the bounce, I think, straight away, and I, I thought he would do better here with the amount of time he's spent at Glamorgan as well. Uh, so, look, we'll see. I think I think jury's still out if it's allowed to still be out, but he might not score a lot of runs this series. He gets himself in, and then makes a start and gets himself out. Yeah, I guess it's it's. I think that's all fair, but I guess what you're basically saying is that at the moment. He sits kind of like among the pack of Australia's batters behind Steve Smith and, and Quadra at the moment. Yeah. Which is which is fine. But I guess at, at one point you're looking at this guy thinking like, might he be as good as Steve Smith? His, at one point, you know, his average was the best since Bradman. But that's, right now he's not that good. That, oh, no. I don't, know, I don't think he is. And so you, you mentioned Bradman. I mean, well, so Smith is, uh, sorry, Labashane is the second fastest batter to 3,000 runs mm. after Bradman, I yeah. think is equal with Ever Everton Weeks um, in terms of innings. So, uh, but you have to remember that he came back into the side uh, for that that series in England and then he played a whole bunch at home yeah, basically. Yeah. And so perhaps that has flattered him a little bit in terms of the massive runs, you know, they scored against teams like West Indies at home um, where he really, really cashed in. It, it's... If you look at Steve Smith is the one player whose average is much closer and you find that with all the great players, right? Because Bradman was actually, I think he was slightly higher away mm -hmm. than it was at home and, and players like Ricky Ponting. So over the, over a career, 
perhaps those things you you do get the measure of the great players who are able to to bat at home. But Steve Smith definitely, you think is still miles ahead of anyone else. Yeah. Um, well, so as you say, so Smith and Labuschagne both out to to Moeen, and I, I thought he bowled really well actually, even though the two wickets were kind of were gifts in a way. <laughs> he bowled seventeen overs at two and over, and it's actually that's massive for England. Like Robinson's injured. Um, but he's expected to bowl on day three. So that's like, if you can kind of think if they can get through the final session without too much damage, then they've they've got a chance. And Moan was basically vital in doing that, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And he, he actually, he's just on the, the press conference. And he said that was the most pleasing thing that he'd bowled. I think it was 17 on the trot, especially when you think about the trouble he had with his finger. He show, showed it to us uh, afterwards. It still looks pretty horrible, that cut. But, but he said it felt okay. And, the, and he, I mean, he said he felt really comfortable. He paid a lot of tribute to Ben Stokes' captaincy, loves bowling under him as a captain. Mm. Uh, you know, Mo, Mo's such a confidence player, isn't he? And then they're taking away that, that kind of worry that if you get hit for a few, it, it makes you go into your shell. And, and without that, uh, it, it, it's been great for him to go that long and, and only go at two and over. He said that was something that particularly pleased him because he has been prepared to be hit for a few. Those That, that sort of restriction has been lifted on him. So hugely important. And one of the things that everyone doubted, I think, a lot about mowing coming back into this side. So uh, a, a, a I didn't think he was going to be coming to the press conference after his innings, mm. but then yeah. he, he got there and, you know, 200th test wicket, he, he undoubtedly thought that that would never happen either. So that's a really nice milestone for Mo. Yeah. And, and actually, I think it shows the importance of fielding as well, which obviously is been critical of England's four in this series, but it's maybe like the fourth over that Moan bowled. The first ball was a full toss that was just the, the batter missed out on it. Then he gets cut for four next ball and you're thinking like, oh, okay, this this could get ugly here. But then actually there were like two or three more stops in that over when he sort of went short and wide and got cut, but they were stopped either just behind square or at point basically. And then after that, he was basically into his rhythm and bowling really nicely. Um, and you mentioned the, the 200 wickets thing. He's also, you think, only 28 runs from reaching 3,000 runs and he would be just the 16th test cricketer to that double and the list is a, a pretty good one. Um, it, well, it's fascinating poise, isn't it? Uh, Australia effectively 142 for four. Pitch still looking pretty good. It might rain tomorrow, but even if it does, we'll still be here. So uh, please do join us then. Cheers. Podcast Network.